0: Blog
1: TALK RADIO Thousands of our own veterans are in a battle with homelessness. The Obama administration has pledged to win that war, but first, the government must count the casualties. John Blackstone went along.
2: The volunteers, counting the homeless in Los Angeles, walked on streets most would usually avoid, among people who are often treated as invisible.
3: How many do we have so far? 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, and I
2: count that? Robert Malone volunteered to count because just months ago, he was homeless. And like nearly one in ten of the homeless across the country, he's a veteran. So fortunately, you had a car to live in. We... I did. Now, Malone is in an apartment thanks to a Veterans Administration providing vouchers for housing. In 2006, an estimated 195,000 veterans were homeless. Counts like the one last night show a significant drop. More than 74,000 in 2009 to under 50,000 last year that's happened as the va has aggressively expanded programs to identify and support homeless vets last night even the va's new secretary robert mcdonald was out counting
3: you happen to be a veteran morning,
4: yeah. really army navy army army what unit special forces what years i was in special forces
2: Now it's McDonald's job to meet the goal set by President Obama to end veteran homelessness by the end of this year. Heartbreaking to hear those stories of people who served and are living on a sidewalk. Well, you know what my worst nightmare is? I open up one of those tents and I find somebody that I served with. That would break my heart because those guys looked out for me and I need to look out for them. And that's why I'm here. Veterans who are among those living here on L.A.'s Skid Row could be moving to a more stylish part of the city. The Veterans Administration has announced a plan, Scott, to move veterans into a housing it owns in a fashionable neighborhood just west of Beverly Hills. John
1: Blackstone reporting for us tonight. John, thank you.
5: Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen of America. This is AJC Radio bringing the message of justice all around the world. Make no mistake about it, homelessness in America, what is going on? Veterans on the streets in our cities. Not only that, children homeless in America. Tonight we tackle the homelessness and the injustice of that fact. Folks, hang on to your seats. We're coming live from Colorado Springs, Colorado. AJC Radio kicks off right now. And there you have it. I'm Lamont Banks, along with Cliff Stewart, Dennis Merrick, William Williams. Lisa's will be joining us remotely tonight. And I'll tell you what, folks, uh, this is a very important issue that we must address in our nation right now. is homelessness, the injustice of that. And uh, we're going to visit that, but also dealing with Dennis, as we talked prior to the coming on the air, the homelessness of veterans in America is absolutely just unacceptable your thoughts on that exactly it's it's truly uncalled for but uh the 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 way the system is uh set up uh really that veteran unless uh he sets himself while he's up while he's in the uh, military for education once he gets out uh if he don't put into that of course he gets nothing when he gets out and now uh, if you're not just 10 percent disabled uh you you don't get the ability to go for voc rehab so I think the biggest thing that's happening with our veterans is uh, they're not we're not making sure that they're trained prior to uh, getting out of the military to do something other than fight for this country. No, and Make no mistake about it. That is just one portion of the show tonight. We're going to be addressing with homelessness period as a whole. Uh, Joining us tonight is going to be Steve Berg. He's vice president of programs and policy. Uh, He's going to be coming on at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Specialized in employment, economic development, and human services And the crossover between those issues and housing he, So we're going to be address, uh, getting his comments on this uh, Trista Bowman will also be joining us She's senior attorney at National Law Center on Homelessness and Poverty uh, She's going to be joining us uh, at the, uh, the uh, uh, top of the next hour uh, of the show And I'll tell you what, folks These are experts who deal with this issue every day in this country And uh, we're looking to uh, see exactly what that is how that affects america uh we got some information dealing with other countries america is leading out in some of the homelessness in this in the the world uh which seems to be one of the richest the richest uh uh, and strongest economic uh uh, country on earth this should not be happening not only to the veterans children going to sleep hungry at night on the streets in america simply just is unacceptable we're going to be dealing with that But before we go there, let's do the disclaimer uh, for our listeners, please.
6: Yes, we are not attorneys, and a just cause does not provide legal advice. Please contact your personal legal advisor for your legal needs. Also, the opinions expressed by callers and guests do not necessarily reflect that of a just cause or AJC radio. As always, thank you for tuning in and choosing to spend tonight with us.
5: Man, thank you for that, William. And we're going to get into that conversation and uh, you want to join in on the conversation tonight, feel free to dial in 319-527-6216, 319-527-6216. Later in the program on what you didn't know about the RFP6, we have some information, some confusion, really, to clear up. Uh dealing with Samuel Thurman, a former volunteer for AJC Radio and the Just Calls, Seems to be some inconsistencies in his thoughts on the RFP6. We're going to set the record straight tonight. Uh, Not only from our words, but the words of his own mouth, defending the R.P. 6 and standing uh, with uh, what we are doing here to bring justice to these men. Uh, We will address those issues. Uh, uh, And this is uh, Sean Johnson, a.k.a. Sam Thurman, out on Google. You may be able to find his comment. My last report is that I believe he's run off. He has run off Google uh, as a result of response to some clear inconsistencies. So you may not find that topic. But we're going to address it anyway tonight as we deal with the inconsistencies uh, of Sean Johnson, a.k.a. Sam Thurman, uh, former uh, volunteer here who is no longer here as a result of a traitor effect, if you will, uh, against our cause, not standing with our cause. But his own words come back to home tonight. We're going to visit that on what you didn't know about the IRP6 story. Uh, William, when we talk about veterans or children on the streets, you're a father, of course. Uh, and you'll hear tonight about how kids are on the streets. Uh, We have a a kind of a feel-good story uh, regarding the young lady, uh, and I have that uh, that clip. We're going to play that clip later, but the young lady who actually was homeless but actually went from homelessness and went to Harvard uh, and was able to uh, fight through adversity. I mean, that's a big, big thing
3: uh,
5: as a homeless person. uh, And you know what? And I think the problem with this country, we tend to value or devalue people based upon – their social status who would have ever thought that this young lady who may one day be president and i'll tell you what the thought of people when they see them on the streets you're going to hear reports tonight where cities actually begin to ban feeding the homeless to ban homeless people uh as part of it like they are an aggravation and one lady made the comment they need to stay at a certain distance away from us and you may be talking to the next president of the united not the next but a future president of the united states We've to be very careful. We don't know who's out there. There are homeless people on the streets that just hit hard times. They're doctors. They're lawyers. They're corporate giants that simply lost their way, exactly. lost everything. And I think the attitude and the culture that we talk about so readily on this program has to change. There are people out there, every person, every person, no matter who you are, where you come from, what circumstances you might find yourself in, it is an obligation of the United States to reach out and solve the problem. These these are people that can contribute to society. They can contribute to the economy. They need a shot. They need a second chance. They need somebody to pick them up. That is what America, William, is supposed to be about.
6: That's right. I mean, it's, it's about the dream. But I think even as you say that, where I come from does not determine where I'm going. It does not mean just because I came up in hard times doesn't mean that that's that's my destiny for the rest of my life. And also a thing about it is most people lose the fact that some of these people that are homeless actually have jobs through situation and circumstance. They've lost their housing, hence the name homeless. It doesn't mean that they don't work or they're not out there trying to strive and make you know progress for a better life. So so. Just trying to heap them all in together in one bunch is not fair. A lot of them have fallen on hard times. And so they're looking for, you know, a hand up as compared to a hand out. And so it's wrong of us to try to, you know, put these people in one stereotype or one group. And you
5: said hand up versus hand out. That's right. Uh, That sounds like a quote from Jesse Jackson uh, of the Rainbow (laughs) Coalition, but we'll take it. Uh, I'll tell you what, folks, that is exactly what we're talking about here tonight. Uh, We need to address the issue. We need to get in. Uh, There are organizations out here that are trying to address the issue. And the point you made, uh, there's a clip you'll hear tonight of of a lady that uh, simply had to go to the shelter. She's explaining that. And she works uh, depending on what hours she gets. But, you know, on the East Coast, the cost of living is astronomical. Uh, And these people, it's just a very sad situation. I want to give all the nuggets, if you will, and the information of what we're going to give you tonight on this program. Again, I want you to feel free to dial in tonight at 319-527-6216. That's 319-527-6216. And uh, this is something that's critically important. Cliff, uh, you come from the... Uh, a bigger city, of course, where I'm sure you've seen some of these issues, even a lot larger, uh, coming up, uh, you know, being raised in L.A. Uh, tell the folks a little bit about what you've seen as far as homelessness in that in that area of the country, and I think it's it's very large
7: on that scale. Your thoughts on it? Yeah, and I mean, everybody, if you know anything about L.A., you've probably heard of uh, uh, the place called Skid Row. And I, I remember, I think third, fourth, maybe fifth grade. Uh, you know, one of our field trips was to go down there to uh, experience that, to understand from a from a, a you know a perspective of this is this is basically this is a part of society, and they wanted us to understand as kids that you know what do you do to help it? Obviously, uh, what do you do to uh, try to ensure that you don't find yourself there? But to give us a little exposure to say. How do you? What do we do about this? Uh, you know, faction of society. How we how we help them? How we alleviate the homeless issue? And really, uh, you know, when you when you experience it, I remember you know as being that kid and going down there, and uh, you know seeing people living in cardboard boxes under the bridge, on the side of the road. Um, obviously, they had no water, no electricity, and and talking to them and them, and, and and them telling them. You know, well at night, uh, you know, we try to find a spot because the police, you know, they don't let us stay here, they don't let us stay there. Uh, so, very young, I, I came to understand that, you know, this is a problem, but didn't really know how to address it. I mean, in, in the big cities, it's certainly an issue, but in every city, there's there has to be a way to uh, to combat it. I know, you know, here in Colorado Springs, we've seen on on television. Uh, on the news where they're saying, well, we recommend, you know, that you don't give a person who's asking for, you know, for, a, for some help. Don't give them a dollar. Uh, you know, they, they passed laws here in Colorado. Well it's against the law for them to ask for money. It's against the law, like in Denver's against the law for, for you to even give them any money. It's like, how, how insane is that that you tell me there's a law that I can't do what I want to with my money. And so it's a, it's a tragedy, but like you say, it's an issue that has to be dealt with. We we have to come together as communities, as a city, as a state, as a country, to say how do we combat it? this? Especially when it comes to uh, those individuals who uh, you know are mentally incapacitated, and especially the veteran population. It makes no sense for a person to you know spend years or however long fighting for their country, giving their life for their country, and then they come back home and uh, and find themselves homeless, and we don't have any program set aside to help them. I think that is a tragedy and that is, that is a shame in a country such as America that we don't have anything set in place to say our veterans are more important to us than that.
5: And and it's not like this issue cannot be solved. Right. Uh, we, we tax a lot of things. I mean uh, right now uh, we're pushing the uh, tax on, uh, on cigarettes uh, and uh, you're talking billions of dollars uh, and, and what happens to that money? What I don't understand is uh, I don't know. Has America lost this compassion? I mean, if, if if we're gonna raise taxes, if we're gonna collect taxes, what better way, what better reason to collect them for is to uh, eliminate, you know, homelessness, which can be eliminated. But again, uh, you know, this the compassion, the the care for people. Uh, I, I hate to say it, but it's truly it, it's it's gone. I'll tell you this, Dennis. Out of thirty-five countries. The United States leads in homelessness population at 634,000 people In the out of, out of 35 countries. The United States is number one in homelessness. Switzerland, 1,500 people are homeless versus 635,000. 100,000 in Togo, Spain, 40,000, Romania, 15,000, Portugal, 3,000. Norway, 6,200. I mean, that's a huge uh, difference. Uh, Chile, 12,000. France, 141,000. The only one coming close to America's percentage is Germany at 380,000 homeless people. These are 20, uh, most of these stats are from 2012 to now. That's insane. How is America, a superpower in the world, uh, holding the record of homelessness around the globe. Something's got to be looked at. We're going to deal with it tonight. And uh, we've we got a couple of feel-good stories as well. Uh, people who are trying to do, you know, reach out on their own and say, look, we want to make a way, we want to help you. But I think the problem in this country is that we have stereotyped individuals, and, and, and basically they are called the castaways. These are people that don't seem to matter. Uh, oh, don't worry about it. You'll see panhandlers on the corner. With signs, and I understand there are people who are on the corner in some streets with the signs says we'll work for food, please help, and they have a Mercedes Park three blocks up. I understand that. You're going to have those <laughs> issues and those type of stories that are actually exposed. But for the most part, there's a lot of hurting people out in this world. We've got to take a look at it, and injustice is injustice. It doesn't matter where you come from, uh, what your social status is. Tonight, Agency Radio tackles the homelessness in America tonight. Folks, again, feel free, 319 That's 319 On the other side of the break, at the bottom of the hour, we're going to be joined by Steve Berg, Vice President of Programs and Policy, dealing with these issues, housing, and, and, and uh, William, to your point, a lot of this becomes a housing issue, and people are working, but they can't afford it. They can't afford it. That's why we're, in this election, the politics, people are talking about raise, raising the minimum wage. Uh, that Maybe that helps the problem Give people more money to work with uh, There's a lot of solutions out there that can, can help uh, tackle this problem I'm going to deal with another on the other side of the break This is AJC Radio Where we bring the message of justice all around the world We'll be right back For a kid whose mom or dad is in prison Life is tough Now add a wrongful conviction to that life just got a little bit tougher trying to explain to friends why mom or dad is not at the school play or at the ball game is something that no kid should ever be faced with especially if mom or dad is innocent ladies and gentlemen get involved today to stop the epidemic of wrongful convictions by remembering a just cause with a monthly annual or one-time donation you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call or just calls today one eight five 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 two nine four two five two. We seek justice for the children as they go to bed at night and mom's not there, dad's not in the other room to make them
8: feel safe.
5: Not because dad or mom did anything wrong, because justice could not be found. Join us for the children, for they truly are our future.
9: I'm a mother.
0: I'm a father.
10: I'm a sister.
0: A registered nurse. I serve my
10: country in the United States military.
11: I'm your neighbor. I sit next to you at church.
10: And my child was arrested, held in custody, questioned without my knowledge,
1: exposed to violence,
10: witnessed to rape, placed in solitary confinement, unable to
0: call or see me, shackled to a wall, beaten, sentenced as an adult at age 17,
11: sentenced as an adult at age 16,
10: sentenced as an adult at age 15. We felt lost,
11: isolated, ostracized,
10: misjudged, terrified. And in the absence of all hope, my child took his own life. And
0: then I found the Alliance for Youth Justice. They gave me the support and resources to get through one of the most difficult times in my life.
11: Now I know I'm not alone. And neither are you.
9: Now we have a voice. Now we, we have
7: power. power. In numbers. In numbers. In numbers. We can, we can make a difference.
9: There are approximately 2 million children in the juvenile and criminal justice system in this country. These are the faces of those families. If you are the family member of a child who has been in the justice system, or if you are someone who supports this movement and is ready to make a difference, visit the Campaign for Youth Justice at www.campaignforyouthjustice.org.
8: He must have thrown a thousand pitches teaching him to hit a home run. Spent countless Saturdays running routes so he could learn to hit an open receiver. Endless afternoons teaching him how to hit the three-pointer. But how much time have you spent teaching him what not to hit? Teaching boys that all violence against women is wrong is one of the most important things a man can do. Learn how to start the conversation at teachearly.org. Brought to you by Futures Without Violence and the Ad Council.
5: And welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen. You've arrived at AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. Tonight is no exception, as we deal with a very serious topic, and we're addressing homelessness in America that affects every walk of life, including our veterans, that are suffering at a very, very, uh, really heart-wrenching, what do you call it? It's something that is just unacceptable as me and Dennis. uh, Dennis and I were discussing earlier uh, as him being a veteran uh, himself. Uh, We're going to address all these issues and joining us here hopefully in the next few minutes. uh, Steve Berg, vice president of programs and policy. We're going to tackle some of these issues. And it's the saddest thing you'll see with children. Uh, have been abandoned uh, by parents. We talked about the, uh, the young lady who went from homelessness to Harvard, actually a lifetime movie made out of that young lady's story, was abandoned by her parents at a very early age. She had to make way working in the school as a custodian, uh, trying and actually was accepted at Harvard University. That tells us it is worth the investment, to reach out to the folks that are suffering on the streets of America. That's very, very important. We're going to give you an opportunity to join in the conversation at 319-527-6216, 319-527-6216. We were talking before we went to break, uh, in regards to the, the the number of homelessness, last reported in the United States, 600, uh, uh, 634,000 people. Uh, actually affected by homelessness in America alone. Uh, That's something we definitely have to look at. We have to pay attention to. And again, we're going to get into that conversation. I'm Lamont Banks, along with Cliff Stewart, Dennis Merritt, William Williams, and Lisa will be joining us remotely tonight. Uh, But I'll tell you what, when you look at this, uh, we were talking a little bit earlier about actually it being a crime to reach out to the homeless. Some cities are passing legislation. Some states are passing legislation that you cannot, that they cannot be within a certain uh, yardage of a sports arena, uh, a park. And actually, one of the gentlemen said, you're sleeping under the bridge trying to stay warm in Arctic cold. They come and pull you out and say you're going to jail. What is that?
3: Yeah, it, it what is, is that?
7: It's absolutely sickening. I mean, again, if we use, if we use our, our state, our backyard as a, as a, you know, just a small sample, and, um, you know, they have a law up in Denver that you, you know, they have uh, what's called 16th Street Mall, uh, where, you know, it's basically the entire street is cut off from traffic. It's, it's, it's a, you know, basically for shopping. So you have a couple mile strip on 16th Street Mall shopping on each side. Of you. you can get ticketed for giving uh, someone money out there, whether they're homeless, whether they're panhandling, whether they're just asking for, you know, for, for some help. And the officer can actually give you a ticket for for giving somebody a dollar bill or whatever, whatever you want to get them, give them. That is sick. But another issue here in Colorado, we have, uh, you know, one of our one of the people in the chat room says with all the revenue Colorado has gotten from legalizing weed, marijuana, we should have more than enough to build additional shelters uh, for the homeless. That point, that you so you have these millions and millions of dollars from the legalization of marijuana, and how much of that went to any of the homeless programs uh, that are that are available in in uh, in Denver, or anywhere else in Colorado? The the revenue, the tax revenue, you know, it should be equal across the board. It helps it helps all programs statewide. Now, Colorado typically there's a surplus. It it, it, ha- it has been a long time that I can remember that, you know, you don't get a, a refund in Colorado because there is such a surplus. But you tell me there is no there is no money to help with any of these programs to help, to help the homeless or so any of these programs to say uh, we need to do better with our citizens. I mean, homeless people, people who need a hand up like William uh, spoke about earlier, some of these people have a job. They're just not making enough. Right. They are not making enough. They have lost their their uh, their housing some type of way, whether they lost their home uh, during the, the recession or whatever. But to to say, do not help these people out. And in Phoenix, it, it's even more sickening. Uh, yeah, you know, they're saying they're at, Phoenix is asking churches to stop street feeding homeless people. You- it's calling a it's uh, it's causing a grouping effect. Well, people are, people are congregating in areas where they know food will be delivered. And there's an individual in, uh, in Phoenix named Bach. He's uh, trying to see who he is. We'll get that information uh, shortly on exactly what his title is. Well, but, but, yeah. but I just wanted to say a quote of what this individual said about people. He said that the people who are helping them, who are feeding them, They are prolonging homelessness by giving the person what they need to stay out on the street. So what type of sense does that make? I'm out on the street. I'm hungry. Please feed me. I'm out on the street. It's wintertime. It's cold. Please give me a jacket, a blanket, a pair of socks, uh, a pair of shoes, anything. You're saying that that is prolonging their homelessness because you're helping them out. Uh,
3: Who who said that? Who said that?
7: This is uh, Mr. Bach in, uh, in Phoenix. The research team is going to get us. So, Mr. His- Mr. Bach is the one saying we are enablers. Right. We're, all, we're enablers because we're, we are, quote, they're prolonging homelessness by giving the person what they need to stay out on the street. So,
5: let's take your food out of your mouth and put you out of your house for a winter uh, and see how you like it in the desert out there. He's from Arizona? Right. A little cold at night up there.
7: Right, see, and, and Bach is the Deputy Director of Phoenix's Human Services Department. Wow. How do you have your Director of Human Services? This is the person who is supposed to be going out, being creative on how do we help service the, uh, the citizens of our community. And this is his response as the Director. So So he is building a culture of saying, we do not help homeless people. We do not feed them. We do not clothe them. We do not give them anything that they need while they're homeless because in his uh, assessment when you give them what you, what they need, that prolongs their homelessness which is totally oxymoron well,
6: why don't they be proactive and help these people I mean, that's the point you know, we're enabling if we give them a sandwich, we're enabling them to be homeless well, why don't you do your job and enable them to find shelter and find alternatives and find that hand up that's what Health and Human Services is about, right? I mean, the department uh, is what was that? The director is that what you say, Cliff? The, right,
7: the Rianne stri- Balton, I'm sorry, it's uh, probably a, a female with a name such as Rianne, but deputy director of Phoenix's Home Services Department.
6: Wow. So, 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 why can't they? Be the enablers. Why can't they actually do their job and find assistance, find alternatives for these people? That's the thing that's that's really stupid. But I, I, this is one thing. As we're talking about this, I think people need to understand, at least from the way I look at it, veterans—they've given themselves to this country,
7: well.
6: and they, you know, and, and but they're getting a benefit. They're getting these guys need an opportunity. These veterans need. Well. You know, so a lot of them I think, you know, they're suffering from the effects of war, from but, the effects of what they've seen.
5: And it's not again, it's not only the veterans. Exactly. These are everyday people. True. Kids, uh, teenagers
7: that are on the streets, people maybe somebody just lost their job. Right. I mean, right. I mean, case in point, one day I'm going up to up to Denver, get off the interstate and on the side of the road there's a man with a sign saying, you know, uh, I can use any type of help. That you can give. So uh me and the person who was in the car with me, we stopped, helped him out with some money, and just talked to him for a few minutes. This man is in the same career field I am. He is a, a computer software engineer. He said during the recession, he lost his job as a contractor, has not been able to land a feasible, reasonable contract to get him a, a, a rate that gives him a livable wage. Now so, so when I when I look at uh, this person in Phoenix, Balch, it's like this could be you. This, this could be the same person. You could have the title of I was previously the deputy director of whatever, whatever. But now I'm homeless, or I don't have I don't have enough in the job that I have to give me, uh, you know, what I need to feed my family, to get the housing that I need, and you get in a, a situation. I mean. Nowadays, they check they check your credit to get you an apartment. Well, if you oh, got yeah. caught in the recession and lost your job and your credit rating failed, now you get a job and you say, okay, now I need to get me somewhere to stay. They're like, no, well, your credit rating failed during the recession. You're like, well, but I need somewhere to stay. So you're out there not only homeless and trying to get a job that gives you a reasonable uh, a livable wage, but now you're also trying on top of all that to repair your credit so that you can just rent a place to stay, and then you wanna you wanna tell of all people churches, deputy director Balch, you wanna tell churches, don't help these people because you're enabling them by giving them what they need to stay on the street. That is the sickest thing I've that ever is, heard. That is
5: that is that is truly ridiculous, and and when you think about you know homelessness, it's a sad sad thing that uh, the country is not as proactive as ending it. I mean, you know, everybody's got, you know, let's, let's, we got a shelter uh, when it's cold, we bring them out of the cold, but how about we, we come up with a, a a solution to end it and, and which is possible. I, I really, no one can tell me the richest country in the world cannot end homelessness. Well, I, I can't, I, I'll never be able to believe that. I'm sure there's going to be some stragglers that, you know, really don't, don't, is not looking for, a home they 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 like being out there, but there's a the majority of the homeless people out there truly I guarantee if they had the opportunity or the chance or the ability or the means to be in a house or a home, they would well, I'll tell you what I learned something years ago this was many, many years ago uh, I worked at McDonald's at four a m in the morning loading a truck uh of the sandwiches the food, all this stuff. And at the end of the night of a shift, there are garbage bags of food that they throw away. And they tell you, you know, know, there's some people out here that are hungry.
6: We can't give them that. We have to throw it away.
5: If someone can give me the logic, what harm it is going to do, this food is going directly in a dumpster. But you're not allowed to give it away. And it's all about uh, not. That? It's about uh, that company not wanting to be sued. Uh, that's the excuse that is used. And, and how are you
3: sued? How exactly. You sued? If
5: someone gets ill because of the food uh, that they threw away, but I, I understand. I agree with you one hundred percent, Lamont. Uh, come on. I mean, that's to me that's total waste.
7: And the thing you got is, people
5: hungry, and you throw away food.
7: Uh, I'm sure that those people who are hungry would have no problem signing a disclaimer.
3: I'm sure. To <laughs> so have that hand hey, program, yeah. you, uh, yeah.
7: I will. I will take whatever you have to offer, and I'll sign a disclaimer and say, this is good for a year, five years, however long I decide to come around uh, at the end of, of uh, when, it, when it's closing time. If I come along and say, hey, if you got anything for me, and you say, well, sure, sign this disclaimer saying anything happened, we're not responsible. I'm sure that they would say, I have no problem signing that because I'm hungry. My family is hungry. I need some help. I need a, like, like William said, you know, quoting the rainbow coalition. I need a a, a help up, not (laughs) a hand out. But
6: but wait a minute, hold on. But the simplest thing to think about is it doesn't matter if you pay for the food or it's given to you, you still could, you know, there's, you know, so the man that goes to the drive through are they worried about him suing them? You know what I'm saying? Are they worried about him? I don't, You know, I don't think
5: so. We're going to discuss that again while we're going to get into this. And I'll tell you what, uh, these are unexcusable uh, explanations of of why we are not doing more to say. Uh, I guess the the statement was made uh, that in in difficult times to get into a business, if there's a lot of people walking around and you're not really sure about your safety – it's just not a welcoming environment, and that can really be harmful to business. Well,
7: and that is discrimination. What, what because are you
5: talking about?
7: Why you're telling me because I'm hungry, because I'm homeless, because I'm cold, because I'm I'm broken and humiliated, and because I don't have means that now suddenly I have become I'm a I'm a danger. Suddenly I'm a danger because I'm homeless. That makes no sense. I'm I'm asking for help. But now I'm dangerous. That that type of stereotype, that type of mindset to say we look on our citizens that need help
3: that's as a dangerous. danger. Yep.
7: That is that cannot be if we if we intend to have some type of solution, that mindset will not work. Yeah, that,
5: that's just unacceptable. We have a caller.
7: Well, we have Steve Berg, who is the uh, vice president of programs and pop and policy to end homelessness. Uh, with the National Alliance to End Homelessness, He's our first guest on the show. We appreciate you coming on, Steve, and uh, you are live. How are you doing tonight? Great,
4: I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Oh, we we appreciate
5: you, uh, Steve, if, if I can call you that, for joining us tonight uh, and taking time out of your schedule to uh, to be a part of this program. Steve, I'm going to give you the floor. Uh, It seems like what you're doing, we're talking about the need for solutions. Uh, How do we fix this problem as we've been into this discussion, uh, and you being vice president of programs and policy at National Alliance to end homelessness? Uh, That's a very serious title. Very heavy responsibilities come with that. Why don't you tell our listeners what that's about and what your efforts, what are they yielding at this point?
4: So the, the National Alliance Against Homelessness. We've we've been in business for since the the early 1980s, which was when you know there was a very bad recession in the early 1980s. A lot of people started showing up on the streets, which is something people hadn't seen for a long time, and. Uh, Unfortunately, it was, when the recession got better and people started going back to work, the homelessness problem didn't take care of itself. It turned out that a lot of things had come together to give rise to homelessness then, and it's been just getting worse ever since then. Um, so what we're what we're trying to do with the National Alliance and homelessness is we basically do three things. We try to Inform the public more about what homelessness is all about why it why it occurs in a country as rich as this, and then we work with local communities that want to try to do do a better job dealing with homelessness and then we're also in washington d c and we're working on federal policy to try to make housing more affordable and to get homeless people and homeless programs what they need. So it's it's public education, it's working with local communities and it's federal policy that we're trying to do.
5: No absolutely. Steve, I'm gonna, we're gonna go to a clip now. I want you to hear, I'd like to get your comments on this. Uh it's really sad. Uh a veteran actually ended up uh dying in a situation in a state of homelessness, if you will I want to play the clip I want to get your comments On the other side of this clip
10: 56-year-old Jerome Murdo A homeless former Marine Was arrested for trespassing At a housing project While looking for a warm place to sleep He was being held at Rikers Island On $2,500 bail One week later on Valentine's Day He was found dead Wrapped in a blanket in a jail cell That had overheated to at least 100 degrees Because of faulty
12: heating equipment because it's supposed to be the land opportunity at home, the brave and free. And my brother served in the military. And for that to
6: happen to him is a disgrace. These veterans
11: have gone somewhere to war and then honorably discharged. And they're discharged to nothing, to nothing, to the streets. Many of them end up homeless. We spent all this money on recruitment, the millions on ads to get people to join up the millions and billions on the equipment to make sure they're well equipped when they're fighting a war. And then they come home and there's no money to give them an apartment and and some decent opportunities to work. Why are we allowing that to happen?
6: One of the problems we have is that uh, people outside of homelessness think homelessness is contagious. and Then they, they view them as other than human. And if they could see up front the challenges that a homeless person faces, they would want to make sure that nobody experienced the pain and the suffering of homelessness. That's one of the worst human tragedies in, in uh, the United States. These people are forgotten, and they're Americans, so we can't forget nobody. It's like Vietnam,
5: nobody left behind Well, there you have it. Um, Steve, your thoughts on yeah. that? A veteran... I mean, what are you doing, arresting this guy for trespassing when he's trying to find a place to be warm?
4: Yeah, and ultimately dies.
5: Your thoughts, Steve?
4: Yeah. So, uh, a couple of things. One, veterans for for a long time have been overrepresented in the homeless population. Why this should be the case is a mystery to a lot of people. Just you know, just as you said, someone who put his or her life down to serve this country, maybe in war or maybe in keeping the peace, for, for whatever reason, for 100 years, the the country has said, we'll take care of you." If you. If you are a veteran, if you are willing to serve in the military, when you come home, we'll take care of you. And yet, people end up homeless um i have to say now that's one of the things when when president obama first came in office he said we're going to end homelessness among veterans um and both he and the us congress put a lot of money on the table for programs and the situation is has markedly improved for veterans largely because the the combination of know-how and money and leadership is there to really make that work. But it's still in some community, some communities have ended homelessness for veterans now, probably two dozen places have announced they've ended homelessness for veterans, um, which is great. We'll talk, we can talk if you want to about how they did that um, and why it worked. But then there's still a lot of other places that haven't succeeded in that yet. So we've still got a long way to go.
5: And I, 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 I think it's because, uh, you know there's plans in place at the federal level but i tell you if it wasn't for the states and i truly uh, commend right. the states i commend you for what you you're doing uh if it wasn't for the states i mean a, a lot of the, our veterans would would truly still be out there just lost because the way the the way the federal federal programs are uh, for our, our our veterans is that you know you got to have 10% disability uh you you had to have Uh, somehow uh, committed to the GI Bill or some Mm. way or another. If you never put in, uh, again, as you heard in that clip, once you're released out of the military, thank you. It's like, thank you for your service. I truly appreciate what you did. But now uh, go out there and fend for yourself. And without the skills, uh, I I was infantry. Uh, Mm. The the scariest thing for me when I got out was, wow, what am I going to do? Uh, The only thing I truly saw that I could do was uh, become a police officer or a security guard uh, because Mm -hmm. I knew how to use weapons. But other than that, I had no education. I had no skill. I I didn't know nothing. So I was nervous. But what saved me was I I was disabled. Uh, I was able to take advantage of what we have. But again, not all our veterans are able to do that. And if if they were in my circumstance, of course, where do you go? I mean, you, you're, you're well, lost. Well, that's a, that's a true point. And, Steve, in, in reference to the Obama administration, uh, it looks like uh, the Obama administration's six-year effort to completely eradicate veteran homelessness uh, has thankfully met half of its goal, uh, reducing it by 47%. However, despite coordinated federal, state, and local efforts, 40,000 veterans remain homeless. Uh, The White House goal was to eradicate veteran homelessness over five years on an initiative known as Opening Doors launched in 2010 and involving federal and state actors and nonprofit organizations and institutions. Uh, The administration spent $16 billion for the program and increased the overhaul Veterans Affairs budget by 85 percent, according to The Washington Times. So uh, it's not without an effort by the Obama administration. Oh, not at all. They're – it, it, it tells you how big the problem is. Uh, if all of that money and all of those efforts were put into it, uh, Steve, what do we do then if you have administrations, uh, as President Obama's administration has done, $16 billion? And we're still, again, got half of it, but it tells you how dire the situation is. Your thoughts yeah. on that, Steve?
4: It, it's a, well, it's a big problem, and I think part part one of the things I think they learned was that it, it's – it's a bigger problem than they thought it was. I mean, they the people start off with this thinking, okay, there's this many veterans who are homeless, so we've got to house that many veterans, and then it'll be fine. And what they don't get is that every day more veterans become homeless, and more every, the day after that and more the day after that. So it, the the problem is is a multiple. If you just look at how many people are homeless at any one point in time, like right now – the the latest count there's a little over half a million people homeless in the united states on on any given night but that but over time it's it's many times that many who need to be need to get housing if you're actually going to deal with the problem um i think the 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 obama administration as you say the the effort the opening doors effort and the work to end veterans homelessness it's shown how much, it, as you said, the federal government can do a certain amount. They put the money on the table. They provide the training to the programs. Um, but when push comes to shove, it's the people at the local level who, are, who have to take that money and take those programs and really turn it into something that's going to really solve the problem. And in the places where it's worked – you really see that. You you can point to the people who've been leaders at the local level, uh, uh like New Orleans Mayor Landru just said, w- "I'm going to do this in my city," and he just raised hell with everybody in town who worked for the city or who worked for the VA and said, "We are going to solve this problem here," and I'm not going to stop harassing you until you do the job to get it solved in New Orleans. Uh, ended veterans' homelessness and there 's as I said, two dozen other places that have done that but in the in the places that haven 't succeeded you um, you 're often finding that that kind of leadership is the thing that 's missing so I mm-hmm. think that that you know some of it 's about leadership, some of it 's about know how I think with veterans it 's it 's hard to say it 's not about the money you 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 talked about the amount of money that 's been that 's been dedicated to solving veterans homelessness and so it's it's very hard to say that there's not enough money to solve veterans homelessness but like you have to use the money for the right things and you have to do it with a persistence and a commitment to get the job done so we're we're uh that's our message for communities around the country you know it's it's like the money is there if you use it the right way to programs that are really going to work to really get people into housing quickly. Um, And, and you have the, and you need to have the whole mechanism of the department of veterans affairs attuned to making sure they're, they're getting those people what they need so they can stay housed.
5: Oh, absolutely. And here's the tragedy, Steve, as you talk, you know, we got to the veteran side,
3: Mm -hmm.
5: you still have 40,000 veterans that are homeless. Right. What are the non-veterans? Those that are home, yeah. Those that are that are not even
4: veterans. That number right.
5: is astronomical. And yeah. I'll tell you
4: what. I'm go, go ahead, Steve. Well, I was just going to say. I, I mean, one of the things we're hoping happens now is I I think there's been a, a an understanding that something's happened in the world of veterans and the. The people who are dealing with homeless veterans, as you said, it's not perfect, but it has gone down by 50% almost and continues to go down every day as communities do a better and better job. We're hoping people get that, oh, something good is happening there, and how can we use use the good things that are happening there in order to help other people who are homeless get off the streets? Because it's a, it's a it's a it's a ridiculous problem that people have to deal with. I mean, it's so damaging to people to live outside, um, and it costs taxpayers a lot of money, and it it's bad for our communities. It, it's just a problem that needs to be solved, and we know how to do it. It's just a matter of putting the resources in place.
5: No, absolutely, and that's something that uh, definitely has to be looked at and. Uh, Steve, I'll tell you right now, we salute your efforts and what you're doing there at the National Alliance to end homelessness. Uh, this is where the battle – the, these are the battlegrounds in which we must work from. And That's right. we, we salute uh, what you're doing. I'm going to play a clip and let you hear, uh, and then we're going to come back, and then we're going to take a break, and we're going to get into a little bit more discussion. You have a few more moments? Minutes, moments to yeah, yeah, sure, up?
3: sure. All right, sure. we
5: appreciate it. Let's this clip. This is D.C. homelessness and the tragedy of what's happened in our nation's capital. Let's see what the clip has to say.
0: Washington, D.C., home to America's political elite and one of the highest concentrations of personal wealth in the U.S. After dark, though, a hidden city emerges. Alongside the rich and the powerful, there is now a record number 4,000 people who've lost everything. We
10: didn't have anywhere to go I mean we ran out of money And um, one day we just found ourselves Sleeping in the train station You really don't want to fall asleep there So you have to keep your eyes open And you know watch your surroundings And it's, it's just really hard
6: I don't really look people in the eye anymore I look away because I'm just embarrassed I feel hurt on the inside I don't feel like a man on the inside because I can't provide for my family, can't provide for my kids, you know. And I'm asking everybody for a handout.
0: Crystal and Anthony, along with their two children, are staying at the Central Union Mission. It relies on donations to provide food and shelter for hundreds of homeless people every day.
5: Uh, We try to give them some some sense of privacy.
0: The man who runs it says the government needs to do more. Uh,
2: There's not anything serious being done about it, okay? Serious in the way of, of providing solutions to it, okay? Uh, so I think that uh, over,
3: the, over the near term, the problem is likely to get worse, than it will get better.
0: With shelters at breaking point, the city is renting 400 motel rooms every night and burning through its budget. When her welfare payments were cut, Kendra couldn't afford her rent, She had to beg the authorities to find somewhere for her girls to sleep.
12: It's tough, but I know things are going to get better because I'm that discouraged. So, As long as I keep faith, they're going to be all right. They're not going to be all right if I'm not all right. Barack Obama says he wants to
0: spend more than $300 million helping people into housing, but he's going to miss his goal of eradicating chronic homelessness by 2016 and in his own backyard. The gap between rich and poor is glaring and growing. D.C. is an example of what's happening in cities across the country. There's a severe lack
10: of affordable housing. Um, I think anywhere in the city you see a lot of um, construction and building, but this is not affordable housing for the really low-income families and individuals that need access to those kinds of resources.
0: For the white family, help can't come soon enough. For two weeks, their children have been going to a shelter after school. Now their parents are desperate to take them to a home. Sophia Ridge, Sky News, Washington.
3: And
5: there you have it. Uh, wow, uh, President Obama again trying to uh, three hundred million more dollars to address the homeless situation. Steve, and when you hear those stories, I know you're you're down in the trenches, Steve, doing what you're doing. Uh, mm-hmm. Does it ever feel like you're going against the wind? And how are we going to get
4: there? Oh against the wind it always feels like we're going against the wind but you know it it's it's uh there's there's things that keep me going and keep a lot of people going in this field going i mean one is just knowing that it's the right thing to do you know it's like working with homeless people i've i right now i'm doing policy work in washington dc but it used to be i was in the Working with homeless people on a daily basis, you just you learn from them what it is to to keep going, even when things are looking terrible, Um, and I think that's something that people in our field really have. And and part of the part of the thing is we we are getting better at the the kinds of programs that help get people back into housing i think communities are getting are are getting smarter about what they do with the money they're getting in bigger impacts the 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 biggest problem is that it's you know homelessness is just the the worst aspects of a much larger problem of poverty and poverty particularly as it relates to housing um you know, as you all talk about on the show a lot, the, the the degree of inequality in this country is out of control. The amount of poverty is way more than it should be. Um, and housing is often where that shows up. I mean, we, we have help available through different federal programs for people who need food. You know, we have the the SNAP program, what used to be called the Food Stamp Program, everybody who's eligible gets help with food through the SNAP program, um, as well as other programs for 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 kids and for nursing mothers um, for health care of course the the uh, the Medicaid program is there so that now with the Affordable Care Act, basically everyone who's poor has access to medical care. But when it comes to housing, I mean there's federal programs, but they're way too small only about 1 in 4 people who's eligible for housing assistance actually gets housing assistance because the US Congress has just set the program up and said we're only going to spend money for a quarter to deal with a quarter of the need we're not even going to try to deal with all the need and as long well, as that's the case and housing is is subject to the to the to the to the market economy um, you're always going to have people who are losing their housing and can't afford a place to stay.
5: And that's, that's tragic. Uh, but I think if the effort is put in, Steve, uh, of how the effort came for the Affordable Care Act, how mm-hmm. every, everybody, no matter what sto- social status you're in, economic situation that you're in, you can go to that doctor and pay a $3 copay and get medication when you're sick uh, or a mm-hmm. dollar it is that type of effort need in my opinion needs to be pressed for housing i think they all go hand in hand if you're yeah. giving people SNAP and food stamps to make sure they eat well if i don't have a refrigerator to put the food in snap means nothing exactly what, what right. am i gonna do what am i gonna do with it? right and we're gonna address that steve i'm gonna get more thoughts from you I, we're gonna have uh Uh, Tristia Bauman joining us at the top of the hour. I'd love to have both of you guys in that conversation. If you have some time, Steve, fine. If not, we understand. Uh, We're going to be bringing her in, hopefully, on the other side of this break. If you can hang with us. Uh, Will that work for you?
3: Yeah.
5: Okay, We appreciate that. Folks, this is AJC Radio tonight, dealing with an issue that seems to have gone ignored. There are efforts being made. Steve Berg, uh, Vice President for Programs and Policy at the National Alliance to End Homelessness, is one of the hero advocates trying his best to make a change. We're going to deal with that on the other side of this break. Joining us also, Tristy Bowman, Senior Attorney at National Law Center on Homelessness and Poverty. And I think a key point to remember, if America can ha- fix the poverty issue, if we can put people back to work, if we can raise the minimum wage, where people can afford their housing, That's a step in the right direction. We're going to deal with all of that on the other side of this break. This is AJC Radio coming live from Colorado Springs, Colorado. Temperature was today 75. Pretty sure it's dropped at this point, but we're coming back on the other side of the break here on AJC Radio.
12: Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? Or visit a-justcause.com and click the Donate button. A just cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall.
11: Sergeant Michelle Garcia served meritoriously in Iraq and has the medals to prove it. Soon after leaving the Navy, Lieutenant Chris Scott found a job, a home, and started a family of his own. Corpsman Richard Stokely took the skills he learned in Vietnam and put them to good use as a paramedic. But soon after leaving the military, each of these veterans fell on hard times and faced homelessness. Even after Michelle lost all her savings, even after Chris wasn't able to pay his mortgage... And even after Richard battled alcoholism for years, they each reached out for help when they needed it most. A simple phone call put them in touch with a trained professional from the Department of Veterans Affairs. That call got Michelle a place to stay until she could afford one of her own, put Chris in touch with employment assistance, and found Richard a substance abuse program. These veterans are success stories not only for how they were able to help others while serving their country, but for how they were able to let others help them. If you know of or are a veteran in need, make the call. I can solve difficult problems for a Fortune 500 company.
10: I can run a successful business.
11: I can manage your home improvements. I can publicize your message. I can motivate your audience.
10: I can put my military experience to work for your company. I can teach your children. I can boost your bottom line.
4: I can add value to your workplace. I could be a loyal and productive employee.
10: But I can't put my skills to work for your organization if I'm not given the opportunity. If you don't recognize my talent and ability.
11: If you don't hire me. If you don't have an open mind and a workplace that's open to everyone.
10: If you don't realize that America works best when everybody works.
11: What can you do? What can you do?
10: What can you do?
11: You can remember that it works. It's what people can do. It's what people can do that matters. Nearly 50 million Americans have disabilities. Capitalize on their talents with employment practices that benefit everyone. Learn more at whatcanyoudocampaign.org.
5: And welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen of America and all of our listeners around the world This is AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. And tonight is no exception. Tonight we've been honored to have Steve Berg. He's the vice president for programs and policy at the National Alliance to End Homelessness. And I'll tell you, the discussion has been very informative tonight as the efforts are being made, uh, you know, by Steve, other organizations that are trying to reach out and collectively end the growing problem and tragedy, uh, to be honest with you, of homelessness Uh, here in the United States. Steve, thanks for joining us and coming back with us.
4: Sure. I'm happy to be here. Okay. And we appreciate that.
5: We're still working to get Tristia Bauman on the line. She should be joining us momentarily. And uh, I'll tell you what, Steve, there's an issue in New York City uh, where the homelessness has really hit a uh, astronomical 60,000 homeless uh, in New York. We're going to play a little clip for you talking about that situation in new york and you know steve when you talk about uh, we were just talking about dc and the trash we're talking about 50 states here so you hear one tragedy after another tragedy and this is all over our nation which tells it really you is know-
3: everywhere
4: yeah
5: it's really really and again we salute what you're doing we get into that discussion about the new york problem and uh, of course you're talking about in bigger cities crime rate is in is crazy uh, you know, if you're homeless, your life at many times is at risk uh, because of where you are homeless at. Uh, bad situation. Let's go ahead and play the clip uh, dealing with this issue. And we're going to get your thoughts on it, Steve, and hopefully be able to bring Tristy on.
8: In this bitter Arctic winter, America's richest streets have been the scene of frail and trembling poverty. New York has been facing the lowest temperatures in decades, but also the highest number of homeless. This is Park Avenue, where the disparities of wealth are just as extreme as the weather. Here we found Maurice, a former white collar worker who used to run a call center. He's now jobless and homeless. I lost my job.
5: It's rough, it's tough. You're not trying to hold, you know time job and pay
8: rent and things of that nature, but
3: yeah, it happens. Absolutely best of unfortunately. It's a good legend,
8: man. It's fresh. For this mobile soup kitchen, then there's no shortage of customers, and often it's parents bringing their children to get nourishment. There you go. Here at the foot of Wall Street, an elderly man struggles in the freezing winds. He suffers from diabetes and a nervous condition in his legs, ailments exacerbated by temperatures as low as minus 17. For the second time in as many weeks. An ambulance has to rescue him. New York City's homeless population has reached an all-time high, more than 60,000 people. And what makes that figure all the more alarming is that 25,000 are children.
10: I'm going to take your Spider-Man gloves, and I'm going to wear them.
8: Three of those children belong to Nandi Basia. And hers is the new face of homelessness.
10: You got to wash your hands?
8: She works in financial services, but still can't afford the high rents of New York. So she lives in sheltered housing in an apartment shared with another family.
10: I try to think about the fact that it's all temporary. Um, But yeah, there's some days where I crash and I'm like, I can't do this. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know when it's going to end and... You know, it's the sort of thing where you would love for someone to say, well, it started on this date and it's going to end at this date. So you can say, well, at least, you know, I'm three quarters of the way done or something like that. But it's not like that. Real life is not like that.
8: Manhattan has the biggest income gap in America and the rich are pricing the poor out of the housing market. An era of stagnant wages has coincided with an era of spiraling rents. And that's created a chronic shortage of affordable accommodation. So in a city associated with upward mobility, life on the streets is the reality for thousands.
11: Well, I'll put it like this: all nations that rise up and come down, and America's coming down.
8: What about the American dream? It's
11: it's 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 a note in the history book. It's no longer real.
8: This bitter winter will soon be over, but the homeless crisis will persist. Nick Bryant, BBC News.
5: And there you go, Steve. Uh, wow, that's a serious problem. Uh, and it can get cold, as you know. Uh, they said these folks are in arctic conditions. A guy is out there with diabetes. What? What are we going to do? This is tragic. And you know what? I believe what the gentleman said in the earlier clip. There is not a strong enough effort on local communities to end it. It is people like you, Steve, other advocacy groups and organizations. This is, if that problem is as big as what we see it to be tonight, and we've only seen a glimpse, you need an army fighting this. Your thoughts, Steve? Steve, are you there? I think we may have lost connection with Steve. Um, Dennis, when you hear that, New York City, 60,000 people homeless in New York, 60,000. And I'll tell you, when it gets cold, what, what are they going to do? Where are they going? And the bottom line is uh, the, their inability to afford the, uh, the rent, the, the, you know, the housing prices. And you know what's sad? And, and then those that are affordable... And I'm just uh, I'm saying that here in Colorado and then, of course, Syracuse, New York, where I'm from. But those that are affordable, they're usually rat infested or roach infested. So, you know, that person that's looking for a home, you know, would rather be rather be outside, which is a sad thing to say. But and then they're asking for I mean, it's not like, you know, even though this place is unfit to live in. Uh, they're still asking for a, a fair amount of uh, for rent. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, on the East Coast, no, di- again, this is what I have heard. The rats are the size of cats. Oh, they're big. All right? So <laughs> you want to put <laughs> – I mean, see that, But that's simply a, a, an attitude of we simply don't care. Your trash will throw you in trash. Let's exactly. just call it what it is. That's right. Um, this is – this is unbelievable. well, you said it right there. You, it
6: is we are in a society right now where we almost treat people and things as disposable. We use it up, use it for whatever term or however long we want to, and then we throw them away, and so we don't care. you know they, they, like you said, there's really i mean a, an effort i know I know in, in my experience, I had this happen to me. I was in Europe, and I was in Switzerland. And so I saw a gentleman that was homeless, had everything he had in his car, and the people that I was with said he's there because he wants to be there now that they, they weren't they weren't looking down to him or anything, but they were simply reflecting the fact that their government and all that they have that enables their people, education, health care everything is there. so they really look and take a stance on. Uh, reaching out and helping those. So that's what they were saying. They said he, he wants to be there. That's that's he's he's in other words it was his freedom. Uh, but but they were basically expressing it to me saying, No, our government has so much set aside for homeless, for education, for health care. And that's the way well, they looked at
5: it. Well I'll tell you what, these are some stats uh, New York stats becoming homeless. Two thirds of people entering a shelter had lost their job during the prior Five years, about half have been evicted. Other reasons for homelessness include domestic violence, overcrowding, or hazardous living conditions, and family feuds, according to a 2005 Vera Institute of Justice study. Now, what you're looking at here is that this is from a long term perspective rents in the city of New York rise faster than salaries, pushing poor people closer to eviction. Half a million families in the city fell behind on their rent or mortgage payments last year so you have uh rent raise raising but salaries are not raising so so you are forcing people and this is why things have to actually
7: get done exactly and there there has to be some type of uh some type of community relief when things like that happen you cannot say okay well we're going to raise the rent outside the realms of what people can cost afford. of living yeah your cost of living is going up but your salary's not and and, and that's not a hard trend to follow right. as far as the people who are controlling the uh those those rent levels it's not difficult to see that well in this community in this area the 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 salaries are not going up so raising the rent only thing you're going to do is end up Putting people out on the street, losing tenants, so you lose money as a landlord, and you you push the entire community into poverty, and those are the type of things that I mean you you can you can look at that trend and see what is going to happen. It, it, it's it's absolutely uh, easy to do that, and it's it's insane to continue to push for that. At least I know you had a comment uh, about this situation as well.
12: Yeah, and you guys, just listening to all the the dialogue that's been going back and forth tonight, I think a lot of the issue that we're dealing with, with homelessness as a whole and the poverty level, and seeing all the people that are living on the streets, all the people that have nowhere to go, and the the way that people are treated, the way that people are looked at, I think that the people as a whole in this nation, they don't want to deal with it. There's no excuse for having homeless people in the U.S. There is absolutely no excuse for that. No one in the United States of America, God God forbid, a veteran should be homeless. That is absolutely just unacceptable. But, I mean, aside from our veterans, no one in this country should be homeless because, like, this country is too rich to have any one person to be without a place to live. It's just absolutely unacceptable. But no one wants to deal with it because then if people have to deal with that, then they have to deal with their own part. And say, what is it that I could be doing? What should I be? I'm not doing my part to make sure that everyone is that this, that this that everyone's taken care of. That everybody has a part they can play. Everybody has something they can do to get out there and make sure that their homelessness is taken care of. That homelessness is eradicated in this in this nation. Everybody has something they can be doing. If if the if America pulled together as one nation under God and did what they needed to do, we would never have. A homeless person in this country, but people don't want to look at that, so they turn away and they say. Well, you, then they got they they like these stupid things you've we been talking about about them putting out all this craziness about you how you you're not allowed to to give people money, you're not allowed to help people when they're homeless and they're begging on the street. They're trying to pass laws where you can't give them anything. They don't want to look at it. They don't want to deal with it. So it's like let's 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 make it against the law to do that. Let's let's do something so that we don't have to look at that. They don't want to deal with it. Bottom line is. Everybody needs to be doing their part and getting up off their duff and doing what needs to be done to make sure that this that the people, the citizens of this nation, are taken care of, and they're not doing
5: it. No, absolutely, and that's a good point, Lisa. And thank you for that. Uh, and right now, there, I tell you what, there are two people uh, that I know of that are actually. Uh, Uh, doing some things and steve uh we lost him uh on a technical issue i guess we lined a call drop he's back with us and we're bringing in now tristia bowen uh the senior attorney at national law center on homelessness and poverty and tristia if i hope i hope i'm pronouncing your name correctly
9: that's right it's tristia Bowen.
5: and okay tristia thank you so much for joining us steve are you with us
4: Yeah, I'm back. Sorry. I don't know what happened there, but uh, glad to be back. Hi, Tristia. How are you? Hi, Steve. Okay, and and Tristia, I'm going to let you introduce yourself uh, to
5: the folks, and we we appreciate what you're doing and your efforts to address this this growing problem. Tell the folks who you are and what exactly uh, you're doing in your work to hopefully make a difference in this very tragic situation in America right now.
9: Sure. Thank you very much. Um, My name is Tristia Bauman, and I'm a senior attorney at the National Law Center on Homelessness and Poverty. We are an organization that has existed now for 25 years with our sole mission being ending uh, homelessness in America using the power of the law. Uh, We are a group of attorneys who use a couple of different strategies in order to achieve that goal. One is through impact litigation. We do sue governments that are failing to serve its poorest citizens, uh, primarily through uh, using the criminal justice system um, to interact with homeless people rather than social service systems that can be um, brought to scale so that homeless persons... um, problem of homelessness can be solved. We also do a lot of education and outreach. We release reports on topics relating to the civil rights of homeless people. And then finally, uh, we also do policy advocacy at the uh, federal level, as well as state and local levels as well, um, trying to increase the protections that homeless people need in order to escape homelessness and become uh, self-sufficient again.
5: Well, Tracy, I tell you what, uh, you're a busy young lady. Uh, it says here <laughs> you, 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 your, your work also focuses on combating the criminalization of homelessness. Can you talk a little bit about that?
9: Yes. Uh, so that is one of the law center's. Uh, core areas of focus uh, and one of mine as well since I'm a uh, former public defender out of Miami. Uh, What we know across the country is that there are a growing number of laws usually passed at the local level that punish either through criminal law enforcement or through tickets that are unaffordable to homeless people, punish their presence Uh, in public spaces these are laws that are designed to target what we call the life-sustaining activities of homeless people like sleeping in public or sitting down or lying down in public Um, increasingly those activities are being treated as crime when they are performed outdoors by people who are too poor to afford indoor alternatives Um, there are a lot of constitutional concerns that we have about how those laws are being enforced um, and also we have uh, supported and helped to propose policies across the country um, that can move cities away from this misguided attempt to hide homelessness temporarily in jail and instead to solve it over the long term by providing some real alternatives.
5: That's, that is, you know, how do you criminalize? a person who has no other place to go that's on the street. And, and Tristy, I think that's an awesome effort. You know, America needs to wake up on what's going on in this country. How do you lock somebody up? What are you doing on that park bench? It's not hurting anybody. He can't sleep anywhere. She can't sleep anywhere. Or the kids have nowhere to go. Steve, when you hear that in the work that Tristy is doing, how important is it that organizations – need to come together uh you know, collectively if you will, to address this issue. Tristy is doing some big things, you're doing some big things. How do we
1: get other people involved here? Say, look, something has to change.
4: Well I think and and I think the 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 caller you had on right right before I I think really had it right. That everybody has a role to play and that too often People will 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 talk up these criminalization kinds of efforts because they don't want to face that that there is a problem here and that it's not the problem. The problem is not with the people who are homeless. The problem is the people's reaction and their their failure to take to to view people as human beings who are having having who have needs but who are are there not because they want to be there. Um, the, 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 what you do about homelessness is you give people housing I mean it's as simple as that and there's of course many complications because homeless people have a, lots of different problems and housing is expensive and, and there's all kinds of issues that have to be dealt with to do that but when push comes to shove enough people have made enough progress on the issue of homelessness that that nobody can claim oh we don't know what to do or oh there's nothing we can do but too often you see people rather than saying rather than getting together as a community and say we're going to solve this problem you see this like we want to make people the other and that involves like criminalization it involves viewing it as the homeless person's fault but but it it's it's there's no there's there's not really any excuse for letting this. I was I was reminded of something that Pope Francis said. Pope Francis came to Washington D.C. last year. He gave a big speech to Congress, but then after he finished with Congress, he came and met with a group of homeless people and
13: ate,
4: ate a meal with a group of homeless people and a group of homeless service providers here in D.C. And while he was there. He gave them, he got up and gave a little speech to them. And the speech was in Spanish, but the, the, the English translation was basically there is no justification. There is no justification for homelessness. Anybody who tries to blame it on the homeless people or blame it on bad luck or blame it on the economy or anything else is just uh, blowing smoke. You know? It's like right. we know exactly how to solve this problem. It's expensive but it's actually, you know, it's it's not as expensive as leaving people homeless because with all the jails we're talking about, putting homeless people in, the shelters, right. emergency mental health treatment, all these things cost more money than it costs to actually give people housing. Um yep. so money isn't even an excuse. There just is no excuse and that that's what people need to, to get their heads around and demand
2: that their elected officials
4: and their leaders
2: to take
4: action on this. Well, absolutely. And
2: that's critically important. Trista,
5: you said you work at the federal level as well. Uh, are you, have you had any, any success in working with lawmakers and legislators to address these issues?
9: Yeah. You know, there are, uh, you know, Really limited things that you can do in today's Congress, frankly, uh, but we have actually seen some success. And I'm hoping that uh, we might see a major shift in one of the federal policies that the Law Center has worked on now since its existence as it relates to surplus federal property, unneeded, vacant federal property that homeless service providers um, are entitled by federal law. Uh, to uh, gain access to without any charge for ownership of title provided that they can submit a successful application demonstrating that there's a need and that they can uh, fill that need adequately um, by providing their proposed services so we're talking about millions of dollars in uh, federal assets that are unused by the federal government that can be put to productive use Uh, And one of the things that we have most recently worked with Congress uh, to do is to clarify that that type of surplus property can be used for permanent housing, even if there are no supportive services that are attached to that. Um, And that uh, legislative effort has so far resulted in a bill passing through the House and some discussion even among Senate leadership. Um, Of having the uh, kind of companion piece passed through the Senate and if that happens um, then that could potentially be game-changing in terms of opening up a brand new well not brand new but frankly untapped such that it would feel brand new uh, set of resources for local communities to address the homeless crisis uh, in their area.
5: That's that's an excellent idea. I believe we talked to you know some some members of Congress have appeared on our show. I believe there was and I'm trying to remember which congressman or senator it was that was actually he actually uh went out to attain uh a property uh that that they attained for child care uh that was abandoned that was not being used and and uh so there are options out there on the table uh Senator Patrick Leahy uh kind of chimed in on the homelessness of children in America. I'm going to play that clip, and I'm going to get Steve, you, and uh, Tristia's uh, 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 thoughts on this, if you will, uh, of what they're talking about. Okay, let's play the clip. Yes. Yeah.
13: And then we've got to start asking ourselves, what are our priorities in this country? The amount of money we're talking about here—140 million dollars—we spent that before in a useless war by 9:30 in the morning on put any one day in Iraq. We're talking about something for the whole nation and what to help the next generation. I mean, some of these kids are homeless because of abuse. Some homeless because of just the economic disintegration of the family. We're finding more and more youth in the LGBT community who are basically shunned as horrible as that is by their family and now uh, not only homeless but probably among the most vulnerable when they are faceless, nameless, anonymous it is easier to ignore if we are following the kind of moral principles that people like to use in campaign speeches then realize they're not faceless, nameless, we have to stand up and help them. I don't. I don't think anybody says, "Gosh, I'm lazy. I'm going to be homeless." Uh, if you talk to these people, you find they're looking with awe at the kids to go to school, are fed, come home to a loving, safe environment, and then go back to school the next day. The chasm there is enormous uh, I don't know if you're going to find many people who say I choose to be homeless we uh, we need to have a real story.
5: and there you have it uh, uh, Senator Leahy uh, addressing the issue that people are just not wanting to be homeless uh, t- Tristia I understand you have a prior engagement and we don't want to hold you from that uh we can definitely oh, I'm,
9: so, I'm sorry i am happy to continue as long as oh, you, you are. would like okay yeah. no
5: we appreciate that we want to be very respectful of your time you as i said are a very busy young lady uh sure steve <laughs> is, you know, we don't want to definitely impede upon that and i appreciate that um so it seems like the congress you know at least patrick Leahy seems very engaged uh in this conversation Uh, So I think if they
4: were were all like Patrick Leahy, it would be our job would be a much easier. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, let me ask you both of you
5: a question. What are we doing to bring local communities, to educate local communities, to talk to local mayors, uh, governors of, of these states and say, look, this is a problem. We say we know we're addressing it at a level at the federal level. How do we get this message into local communities, mayors and governors and. City council to say look let's address these issues what do we do with that or are you guys
4: making efforts in that area as well i mean i can start i mean we're making efforts a lot of people are making efforts um as i said one of the things we do is we try to help local communities uh figure out exactly how to address this problem there there's I think the federal government has reached out to mayors around the country. The Obama administration has started this thing called the the Mayors' Challenge to end veterans' homelessness. So again, on the veteran side, uh, they reached out to mayors to sign a pledge to help end veterans' homelessness in their community. So there's been a lot of outreach. You know, it's it's it, particularly at the level of of elected officials, mayors, things like that. It, Not knowing that there's a solution to the problem, that's not really a very good excuse at this point anymore. I think any mayor has access to information about what to do about homelessness in a positive way. Um, If they don't, we're happy to help them. I know Trish's organization is happy to help them as well. as I said before, there's enough places that are making real progress on this issue that you, you can no longer say that, that we don't know how to do it because there are places that are doing it. Um, it's just a matter of having people take the leadership to make it work, and I think that's a message that groups working on this issue in D.C. try to get across – that the members of Congress who really care about this issue, like Senator Leahy, are, are always trying to get that that message across as well. It takes it takes people in Congress coming together to do what they can do. A lot of that is about money and how much money and other resources. Tricia, you're talking about cash is not the only resource. Surplus right. property is a, is another one, but Excellent. a lot of times the the actual sort of hands-on work to find the people who are homeless and get them into housing that happens at the local level. And I, I think that we need a lot of people talking to each other, talking to leaders in their community about why this problem still exists and why they haven't ended it yet and what they need to do to end it. Absolutely. Trustee, your thoughts?
9: Yeah, I I agree uh, with what Steve said. You definitely need to have, people um, from the ground up express what they need to leadership. Um, So some of what we hope to do Um, As an organization that is based in DC is to um, produce the type of research and materials that advocates on the ground can then use as tools in their own advocacy to tailor to their own communities. Um, You know one of the important things I think for us to recognize when we talk about engaging local communities or even states is the difficult position that certainly cities have been put in um, resulting from the the um, the large-scale cuts that have taken place over time in uh, federally subsidized housing. I mean, we now have uh, a loss of about 10,000 units each year. Uh, The destruction of uh, public housing units um, offsets any new vouchers, and there are very few of those to speak of in the past several years. Um, You have about 50% of HUD's budget um, remaining from what it was in the late 70s uh, and early 80s and as a result of all of that there is a growing amount of homelessness and fewer devoted resources um, available so communities Um, would be very wise, of course, to look at how they are spending money now and if it includes jailing people that have no option but to sleep outside only to release them to the same streets but now with a criminal conviction um, that will thereby make it hard for them to get a job or to rent in the public market or even to qualify in some areas for the type of federally subsidized housing that they need to escape homelessness, Um, you know, we definitely need to look at those types of investments and consider where local investments, state level investments, and also reinvestment by the federal government can address the um, homelessness crisis. That's, you know, uh, facing the country at large.
5: And, and Christy, I like this. I'm going to quote you. And it says as the daughter of a disabled father and an immigrant mother, I grew up poor and I know well the barriers to success imposed by poverty I became a public interest attorney and the housing program director of the law center to break down those barriers and to provide every person, people just like me with a chance to thrive. How we commend you for that. And I'll tell you right now, people have to have a heart for, for each other. You know, you can't go to bed at night as you get under your warm blanket and not think about, Someone, somewhere in that city, when you're, you know, you're running up, the, for me, I'm running up the steps, for, get out of this cold as quick as possible. But these people have nowhere to run to. This is why I believe your work, Steve and Trustee, is so critically important. And I believe educating communities and reaching out uh, to mayors and to local officials to say, look, do you care? And I pulled a clip yesterday, and hopefully we can get to it a gentleman was brought in. He's homeless. He walked into a city council meeting to say, can you help us? And as we said, Patrick, Senator Leahy said, nobody just wakes up morning and says, you know what? I think I want to change the direction of my life and become homeless. I think I want to live out of my car. Nobody's thinking that. And I think to the caller's point that just called in, uh, uh, and one of our uh, uh, hosts here, Lisa, made a clear statement. America seems to run from adversity that causes their conscience to be bothered. I don't want to deal with the fact that I'm sitting down at my table that somebody out there can't eat tonight. We don't want to face that, but we have to face it if we are the country we claim to be, and that is to help those that cannot help themselves. Um, I'll tell you, we're going to take a quick break, and Steve, uh, and, and Steve, and we're going to come back and give you closing remarks, if you would. Uh, What we can do going forward, I'll tell you right now, you have an ally and a friend here at AJC Radio in joining in that effort and a just cause. How can we help? What can we do as we go across uh, the airwaves talking to people in regards to this issue and to our audience all around the country and even around the world? We're going to give you a closing thoughts on the other side of this break. We'll be right back. This is AJC Radio bringing the message of justice all around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of AJC Radio and a campaign that we have started that is underway entitled Spotlight on Capitol Hill. This program is new to AJC Radio, but it is an exciting time when we take a few moments every Thursday evening to highlight members of Congress, their initiatives that are not only important to them, their constituents and the nation as a whole. We invite you every Thursday to tune in to AJC Radio to hear your congressman or your senator and their initiatives that are here to shape a nation and to bring about change. We invite you cordially, and as we fight for justice, as we seek justice daily, we'll come together as not only the American people, join us every Thursday for Spotlight on Capitol Hill. God bless you, and as always, God bless America.
8: Did you know that over 1.5 million children in America have parents who are incarcerated?
14: These children cope with the pain
8: through drugs, alcohol,
14: anger and violence. It is so important.
6: It is so important. it is so important for communities to provide preventative and intervention services.
11: Don't make them do it alone.
14: Become a part of the community community. Community.
11: The community Become a part of the community.
12: Good morning, students, and welcome to Career Day. I hope you're excited to hear about all the great things you can do when you grow up. Hi,
3: everyone. I'm Emily. I'm super excited to introduce my dad because he's my hero. When I was little, my dad was away a lot, but I was okay with that because he was doing this really important work, driving ambulances in Iraq. Now he's at home, which is great for me because I get to see him every day now, and he's still the biggest hero I know. because. He kills all the ambulances and the fire engines where to go out and rescue people when there's an emergency. I'm so proud of him, he's awesome. He's my dad.
11: If your service connected disability prevents you from continuing in your civilian career, Voc Rehab offers counseling, training with a living allowance, education, and other services to help prepare you for your next mission. <laughs>
3: Talk about it. I've got to go home. Oh, come on, Carrie. We're going to a new place. She wants to go home, right? <laughs> Let's go. Whoa, Is you okay to
2: drive? Yeah, oh, fine. I'm so fine. For sure. Relax. What's a few beers? If you don't stop your friend from drinking and driving, you're as good as dead. Drinking and driving can kill a friendship.
5: And welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen of America. This is AJC Radio, uh, tonight dealing with the topic of homelessness on the streets of America. As we close this segment, we've been honored to have Tristy Bauman and Steve Berg, some wonderful people, advocates to end the problem we have discussed tonight. I can tell you right now, we have been informed, we have been educated. And I'll tell you what, Steve and Tristan, we salute you tonight from AJC Radio, and your efforts to make a difference on a nation. Uh, give us an opportunity. How can folks, Trister, first get a hold of you to become involved with what you're doing, how they can contribute? Is there a way that they can get in touch with you? How do they do that?
9: Yes, absolutely. Uh, so I have, uh, I'd probably direct people to the website, uh, the okay. National Law Center on Homelessness and Poverty. And I am listed there on the website. You can reach me um, both by phone and by email uh, and also reach any of my wonderful colleagues who are all engaged on uh, this work. And we do have a number of things that we would love to enlist folks who are interested in the issue uh, to do at the uh, level that they're interested in working at.
5: Okay. And we're going to actually post something on the website, Tristie, about what you're doing, uh, how people can become involved, that's okay. And uh, we're going to be in touch with you offline of what AJS Calls and AJC Radio is willing to offer uh, that we can do to collectively make a difference. We're going to definitely work with you on that. So we'll definitely be in
4: line on that, okay?
5: Wonderful. Thank you so much. Okay, Steve, how can folks get a hold of you?
4: Well, our website is Um, endhomelessness.org. You can find the staff page on there for me or the other people, my colleagues there. Uh, who are working on a number of different issues i would say you know that this keeps coming back to like what can people do and there's a lot of things people can do you know there's nonprofits that they can volunteer for in their local community uh they can give money to various organizations but to me the most important thing is trying to hold our political leaders accountable for dealing with this whether that's at the mayor's level or the level of the u.s congress and whether they're putting the resources into housing people who need housing. So the if, if I would encourage people to do nothing else, that is to figure out how to how to make your voice heard by elected officials. And there's stuff on our website. There's an advocacy section on our website that people can hook into or they can – Fine my email is there. You can email me and ask how to get more involved, and we'll put you in touch with people. But that, if, if we need nothing else, we need people calling their members of Congress and saying they have to put money down on programs to house homeless people.
5: Well, we're definitely going to work I with you. Go ahead, Trista.
9: I'm sorry. Thank you for letting me chime in here. I just wanted to echo what Steve said. I mean, it was a really appropriate um, uh, play in to this segment because it does start with people making a change inside of themselves uh, to contact their members of Congress and also local government leaders, um, state representatives, folks who are not hearing from homeless people who are dealing with the series of personal crises that have led them to struggle for daily survival, but they are hearing from the angry homeowners who are concerned about visibly homeless people and from the uh, business owners who worry about what panhandlers might mean for um, their bottom lines. It is critical that people uh, let their elected officials know that we will no longer stand for non-solutions to homelessness, it's time to invest in housing and real solutions to end the homelessness crisis in this country. Oh,
5: absolutely well, absolutely well-spoken, Tristia. And uh, again, AJC Radio Just calls. we will reach out to you. You'll hear from me directly. Uh, we got a couple of things, community things that we believe where we may be able to incorporate what you do and to get a message, you and Steve, to a community right here uh, in Colorado. But we'll talk about that offline. Thank you so much for giving up your time this evening. I'm sure you guys are busy around the clock. Thank you for your service to this nation and to communities that really need it. We appreciate you so very much, and we will definitely be in touch. Okay? Great. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. Okay, you folks have a good night. Okay.
4: Thanks. You too.
5: Bye-bye. Thank you. And there you have it, folks. Some folks really doing some things, Dennis. When you hear that type of passion, uh, and you probably know where I'm going on. Let's talk. Uh, let's educate the communities. Let's get this passion. And make it contagious that, and Tristan made it very clear, let's hold our officials accountable. We will not just sit back and say, well, homelessness is a part of life. No. What can we do to end it? That's what we're here for. This is called the human race. Everybody matters. Right now, we turn our attention to what you didn't know about the RP6. Some people think that business is a game, and what we have learned is that business actually is war.
12: When they wanted people to sign non-disclosure agreements and all that kind of stuff, sometimes they didn't want to do it. it was strange to
6: me. I think it's still strange. It just absolutely makes no sense.
10: Is this really real? Is this happening? Mm.
12: And then all of a sudden, your whole life is ripped apart.
3: What we
5: have learned is that the R.P. Six story was supposed to be the American dream, is an American nightmare. They were floored that uh, they were even being raided.
10: Um, it became very clear that the court-appointed attorneys were not working for the guys, um, and it, it seemed like in many cases that they were um, collaborating or working with the prosecution. We constantly hear in the news, every week you're gonna hear about another person wrongfully convicted. And this is a unique case in the sense that you have six men, six businessmen that have been wrongfully convicted. You would think the media would jump all over.
12: Justice is not fair anymore. They say justice is supposed to be blind. It's not blind. It's not blind. They pick and choose who they want to convict and who they want to convict.
5: Is this happening in America? The American dream of the rp 6 has turned into a nightmare, crying children left behind as a result of a corrupt system and corruption. We will seek and search for justice. We will ask the tough questions. We will demand answers. As justice lays idle in the streets of America, we look for the answer. Ladies and gentlemen, go out to change.org, sign the petition now. America's future depends on it. And that is what you didn't know. Tonight, we take a look to clear up some confusion. But whatever you want to call it, an inconsistency, an act really of blatant dishonesty on behalf of Sean Johnson, a.k.a. Sam Thurman, a former volunteer of this organization, who stood with the IRP-6 and made it very clear that an injustice had occurred. We came across some information this morning. That Sean Johnson, again an alias for Sam Thurman, basically making false statements in regards to the IRP6, stating that these men were guilty of some type of crime, has changed his position based upon personal vengeance. But tonight we pull a Donald Trump situation; we arrest him with his own words. Tonight we do it, and Sam Thurman. It was very clear that these men were innocent. He made trips to Capitol Hill with me, passionately fighting for the injustice that happened with these men. Tonight, we use his own words against him. So if you happen to be out on Google search and you find Sean Johnson talking nonsense, if you will, about the RP6, these are the words that matter. Let's hear what he had to say. Uh,
1: just a few moments ago, we had on, uh, on the air Pastor Rose Banks, and, and she covered several points related to this case. And, you know, she brought out a couple other things, too, how it, it seems like that not only, you know, uh, did the federal government uh, uh, do, do the IRP6 wrong and did their families wrong, but she brought up that the uh, point about uh, the uh, attorney Mark Garagos and how he was brought on board uh, during while the guy's case was uh, under appeal, trying to get uh, bond-pending appeal and uh, a couple of things going on there. But, you know, he treated him so bad. And the, pa- the pastor mentioned the fact that how uh, Mr. Garrigo's was so rude to the gentleman. Uh, he was rude to me. Uh, uh, literally cursed me out, you know. And so, you know... Several times. Well, in that point,
5: Cliff, you hear Sam talking about being in agreement uh, with Pastor Banks, addressing the injustice, addressing the, the really uh, horrible job by attorney uh, 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 Mark, uh, Mark Garagos. He's very clear. There's no, this, there's no issue. He is very clear on what his position is. Is that right?
7: Absolutely. And I mean, that, that's one clip out of many. Uh, he was a, you know, a volunteer for about two years here. And for for him to say anything, uh, anything outside what the truth is, I mean, it is it's a it's amazing and appalling at the same time, because like you hear in that clip, this is not something that it sounds like he was coerced into doing. He was laughing. He was, uh, you know, at at that point sounding, uh, I mean, perhaps sincere, but then how do you it's like who what type of person are you to say okay on one hand while i'm here hey i'm totally on board with what's going on and now that i'm gone i start to spew lies it's just it's just i mean that that is the type of person who who exactly are you then to use an alias i mean come on if you if you have a real issue if you have a real problem then say what the real problem is and say who you are. The has to. I'm not use an alias to try to, uh, you know, kind of covertly go about about well, about who you are and what you claim happened.
5: Well, we're gonna hear the rest from Sam Thurman, and we're gonna come back discuss it and close out this show, addressing the inconsistency, the untruth as he spreads on the internet falsehood about the RP6. We will address it, and we're not gonna put up with it for
1: one bit. Let's see what he had to say as we talk about the IRP-6. And when you look at what happened in the IRP-6 case, you have to come to the conclusion that there are too many inconsistencies, too numerous to say that something was not wrong in this case. And, you know, a a just cause has done an analysis of, uh, uh, an ongoing analysis, I should say, of the IRP-6 case. And when you look at all these things, uh, on a timeline and see how, uh, well, this event occurred. Uh, well, that shouldn't have happened like that. And then you put, couple that with something else. And then you couple it with something else. And then you couple, it up, couple that with something else. And it just builds a mound of a story that makes absolutely no sense. And, um, you know, I want to encourage folks to go out to uh, www.a-justcause.com. Again, www.a-justcause.com. Or just do a Google search on IRP-6. Well, you know, Lamont, the uh, software that they were developing was called the Case Investigative Life Cycle Software. And you got to go back a little bit in history and, and realize that uh, the software was being developed right after the tragedy of 9-11. And so you had the nine eleven 11 Commission, uh, which identified the fact that law enforcement agencies had, had no way of sharing information or collaborating information. And so the, the, the software that the IRP-6 were developing was right on time, it was real, it was not smoke and mirrors, and it was something that got the attention of the Department of Homeland Security at that time. Bottom line, the IRP-6 case, the IRP Solutions case, is a debt collection case. Everyone that has looked at it has, has validated that this is a debt collection case. Even the federal government's financial uh, forensics analyst uh, did a follow-the-money type thing and uh, confirmed that the money did not go uh, to the executives of the, of IRP solutions. The executives of IRP solutions had contracts with staffing companies. The staffing companies paid their employees, uh, the, the employees of the staffing company. Now in 2005, IRP solutions was rated on bogus information that they were involved in some wrongdoing. Well, there you have it.
5: Mr. Samuel Thurman, and I use the word Mr. Lightly, Sean Johnson, AKA Sam Thurman, Google, your words are against you. Cliff, when you hear that information, there is no dispute. He's called the case bogus. That is the truth of the matter. So as we continue to fight for justice, for the RP6, who are they? Dave Zapolo, Demetrius Harper, David Banks, Kendrick Barnes, Clinton Stewart, Gary Walker, be mindful that Sean Johnson, and I'm sure his cover has been pulled on his, uh, on his uh, whatever nonsense he's pulling out there. He may come up with another name, but I'll tell you what, we'll locate it then as well. Tonight, we fight for justice. Sean Johnson, a.k.a. Sam Thurman, has proven to simply tell untruths. And we address it tonight, Cliff, on this show as we attack anything that tries to attack
7: the innocence of these six men that's right it's part of our uh you know our duty as an advocacy group uh you know we we hear people uh just like with the irp6 that that case like sam said is it was a bogus case we're attacking it on every front going to congress dealing with it so if somebody who used to be a volunteer here decides They want to start to spew lies. We'll attack those lies as well.
5: And I give a quote from Sam Thurman. This is what he states, excuse me, Sean Johnson, a.k.a. Sam Thurman, uh, that the IRP was run far more efficiently. R.P. Solutions was run more efficiently than any other company I've ever worked for. Sam Thurman says politics was out of the window because everybody was on the same team and working towards the same goal. In corporate America, there's so much competition and everybody's trying to claw their way up the corporate ladder. It was never that way. At IRP Solutions And I quote Sean Johnson A.K.A. Sam Thurman We close on that note tonight This is AJC Radio Where we bring the message of justice And we hold all those accountable For their actions We'll see you next time here on AJC Radio Good night
10: At 6 this morning, long before her classmates were even awake, 18-year-old Dawn Loggins was already pushing a mop through her high school in Lawndale, North Carolina, where she also works as a custodian.
14: I'll work two hours before school, and then I'll go to school, and then I'll come back and work two hours after school. When do you do your homework?
10: When I get home. <laughs> home for Dawn is complicated. For years, she moved around, sometimes squatting with her stepfather and unemployed mother.
14: Every time my stepdad would be arrested, we'd have to move, or my mom would use rent money to bail him out of jail. There would be places where we lived where we wouldn't have power and water for extended periods of time.
10: But she always excelled at school. Then last summer, Dawn returned from an academic summer camp to find her parents had abandoned her. I
14: could never get in touch with them. Every time I called them, it said, this number has been temporarily
10: disconnected. They had moved to Tennessee. Dawn moved from couch to couch, until a counselor asked Cheryl Colton, a school custodian, if she would take Dawn in. Ms. Putnam explained to me that she had nowhere to live and that she just wanted to finish high school. With a safe place to stay, Dawn flourished. You were president of the photography club, the Spanish club, the rock climbing club. Did Uh, I miss any?
14: I also started a community service project for our soldiers in active military service, National Honor Society, Beta Club,
10: National Spanish Honor Society. When it came time to apply to college, a friend urged her to aim high. You'll be admitted to the Harvard College class
3: of
14: 2016. And I think that what got me into Harvard was my drive and the fact that I've been able to do so much with everything working against me. Imagine
10: what I'll be able to do when things are actually going like they should. And tonight, when Dawn graduates from Burns High School near the top of her class, it will be Cheryl's face she looks for in the crowd. Well, I feel like Cheryl allowing me to stay there has been
14: the best thing that that has happened to me.
10: And I think that a lot of people would have done the same thing that I have done if they knew the circumstances. Dawn plans to pay for college with a mix of financial aid, local scholarships, and the money she saved from cleaning classrooms. Nancy Cordes, CBS News.